Welcome to Shareholder Q&A, a production of Gorecom in which we allow shareholders to ask questions online on Gorecom's verified forums in order to get the CEOs to answer them directly right here through video. With us today, he needs no introduction. I'm happy to have him back. Steve McCauley, CEO of Empower Clinics, trades on the CSC under CBDT. For our friends in the US, EPWCF, and for our friends in Frankfurt under 8EC. Uh, normally, I do the big introduction here if it's a Beyond the Press Release or CEO interview, but this is a shareholder Q&A, uh, so there's no intro necessary. Steve, welcome back. How are you? Uh, George, thank you for uh, having me on again. Uh, doing well. Um, we're, we're certainly busy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's get right into it and, and try to you know help update you know people and our followers. We've we've got a lot of a lot to cover. All right. So before we get to the questions, the uh, the first question the first question is this: In, investors think that they're you know they can judge where the company is by stock price, right? Uh, how is the company going irrespective of stock price? Well, you know, things have never been better from a, you know, business standpoint or business development standpoint. Um, you know, our balance sheet is in great shape, as, as everybody knows. Um, that hasn't changed, you know, one bit. You know, it's, yeah, it is, it is funny with stock price because, you know, if the stock price, when the stock price, you know, had that spike above $2, you know, we weren't any better at that time than where we are now. And if the stock price is down in the 60 cent range, we're not any worse than we were before. You know, they're unfortunately, you know, it's not a direct correlation to how our business is performing and working toward our long-term objectives. And, you know, but it's, it's hard. I have, I certainly have empathy uh, to what, you know, is happening, you know, uh, in the market at given points in time. So I respect uh, when, you know, when there may be, uh, you know, concern or some sort of sentiment that's not um, 100% positive. But, um, you know, please, everybody bear in mind, um, our operations um, are performing, our team members are performing, and our pipeline is as strong as it's ever been. Is there? Uh, yeah, because people think that the stock market is a speedometer. If the stock is at 250, you know, the company's moving at 250 kilometers an hour, it's just flying. If the stock price at 60, it's just trudging along at 60 kilometers an hour. So they must be an indication of speed. You've, you've cleared that up, but I'll even ask you, I'll even ask you even more, an even more blunt question. Are there any parts of this company where you're experiencing problems, whether it's Kai Lab or the products with Kai Saliva or the clinics? Is there something the market doesn't know uh, about something going wrong or not according to plan. And I'm not talking about imperfection. I'm talking about, oh man, you know, we thought we we're going to have 30 clinics. We're only going to have two. You know, is there any part of this that's not going, that's not going right? And maybe somebody out there knows something the rest of us don't. No, not at all. I, I, I tell you the only, the only part that um, I would like to see go better is, um, you know, the partners that we're working with, you know, speed up their turnaround time uh, on getting us back signatures, you know, whether that's, you know, working with landlords or, or working with pharmacy partners or working, you know, with uh, our pipeline of, you know, new uh, commercial testing deals that we're doing. So um, we're, we're doing all that, that we can do, uh, but we don't always control, you know, what happens on the other side and, and how they go through either their legal or their tax reviews or, or whatever the case may be. So um, I, I would certainly hope for, for more speed. Um, that would be nice uh, from, from our other partners. But we just stay, you know, diligent 
and we have fortitude and, and we just keep churning over every single day with, um, you know, with our goals in mind. But, you know, the fundamentals of how we're doing, you know, are, are never better. You know, when, when you look back of the, you know, my involvement over the last almost, you know, two and a half years, um, you know, it's a, it's a fundamentally uh, different and improved company with a, with a really clear path forward. Um, irrespective of stock price, when, when you're looking 12 months forward and how, how great of a company you think you're capable of building in February, and you're looking 12 months forward today in May and how great of a company you think you're, you're going to be building, has that vision changed at all? No, of course not. Of course not. I mean, I think that we, you know, more than ever, I feel like we really understand, you know, the main pillars of our business and, and what we're hoping to, you know, grow into. Um, so for us, it just continues to be our focus on execution, um, our, our focus on business development and, and developing, you know, new big opportunities, whether it's, you know, getting, uh, you know, awarded locations from our, our pharmacy partners or deciding that we will take on other locations on our own, um, whether it's, you know, getting more commercial relationships through uh, Kai Medical for our Kai test products. And then, of course, finally, you know, we're constantly working on acquisition opportunities. And so, but all of that, you know, it takes a lot of energy and effort. Uh, but I do feel that we have the best organizational structure and the best team that we've ever had. And I'm very proud of the work that everybody is doing. So it's fair to say growth prospects for the company as strong as ever, not tripping up anywhere. Uh, everything is going and you know where you're going to be at the end, but it doesn't mean that's a straight line. So they're always going to be little dips yeah. and you're going to go, but any doubt as to, you know, first quarter, second quarter of 2022, where Empower will be as a business, not as a stock price, as a, but as a company. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we have no doubts of where we're going. You know, we, we really do. We think we have, you know, we have um, stretch goals for ourselves, but we think uh, the goals are attainable. And, you know, we're, we certainly just, you know, keep working hard every day um, in spite of any um, dip or blip along the way or, or any sentiment that, that might, you know, uh, have changed for a, a small period of time. And uh, so, you know, we have to look past that, but we have to also respect shareholder positions. And, and I think we do a pretty good job. I think we do maybe, you know, better than most of making sure that we're communicating often. Uh, we're communicating with as much transparency as we are allowed to. Uh, and, you know, we, we attempt to get back to, you know, really every inquiry that comes in. Um, and we get many, many inquiries every single day. So um, it's not uh, an insignificant amount of work, but we believe it's important work uh, because we, you know, we really respect and enjoy um, the support of our shareholders that we have. So, you know, and long may it continue. And lastly, look, uh, you, you're held in such high regard by your shareholders for what you, what you accomplished before you came to Empower, what you've accomplished while at Empower. Uh, but sometimes like all superheroes, everyone's got, everyone, no one's perfect. And in your situation here, uh, and we won't go to the details because we'll go into the details in the shareholder questions, but you know, your annual financials were delayed. Mm -hmm. um, is this, 
should investors view that as a flaw, which is, oh man, the company just failed to do something? Or is that an imperfection where, I mean, I've seen it several times, great companies sometimes, they just can't get uh, financial statements in on time. How, how, how should investors be viewing this misstep? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's disappointing. I mean, I'm as disappointed as, as anybody, um, but we're, we're dealing with, you know, keep, I think the thing to keep in mind is, you know, fundamentally, we're, we're still, you know, generally a small cap company with developing resources. And, you know, we kind of have this uh, double-edged sword is that we, we want to grow and we want to deliver growth um, for our good shareholders. Uh, but that growth kind of comes with a price is that you, you, you take on more. And in this particular case, we had two acquisitions of private companies close in the fourth quarter and one right at like literally at the end of the fourth quarter. And these companies have never been through audits before. They've never had this type of accounting uh, structure put on top of them. And uh, it's, it's difficult. And it might appear like, you know, from uh, January 1st to April 30th is a, is a lot of time to get through audit. Um, it's not. Uh, it, it is a, a massive undertaking, um, but uh, no excuses. Uh, you know, we must do a better job. We must um, figure out how to resource this in a better way going forward because we fully intend to keep on growing through acquisition. So, you know, we are going to have to just get better. Um, and I'll take that responsibility to, you know, uh, help us get better, point us in the right direction, provide more capital resources for these areas so that, you know, as, as these point, uh, these, I guess, moments in time come up again in the future, uh, we're, we're much more prepared. Thankfully, now we have a better capital runway. We didn't have that capital runway even at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, we were, we were pretty tight at that time, uh, if everybody recalls. And, and that would be October 1st, just to make sure everyone knows exactly, what timeline we're talking about. Exactly. So, you know, you would like to start your preliminary audit uh, processes at the beginning of the fourth quarter, anticipating, you know, to be, you know, well advanced as you get into the first quarter. But it takes, you know, significant resources um, you know, literally cash that has to be paid out to accounting firms and audit firms at that time for them to even commence. So, you know, we're not in that position anymore. We're in a much better position. And, uh, but, you know, we, we must do a better job going forward. And I'm glad you said that because you're right. But that is part of the learning process. And I'm not letting you off the hook, but I will remind people that what we've seen just in the last few years, Samsung had made such an error on their on, on their phone line, on the on one of their phone, that they had to scrap the entire model for an entire year. They lost an entire cycle. Uh, Apple, when it came out, said Apple Maps had such a bad glitch that literally, unfortunately, some people lost their lives. People drove into a lake thinking that they were driving down the street in the, in the middle of the night. So the point of it is, as public companies, we can't always be perfect. And perfection is not the standard anyways, I don't think. But we, we got to re be reminded just to get perspective from shareholders that sometimes stuff is going to go a little wrong. Uh, and for some major companies, all the resource in the world, Samsung and Apple, 
all the resource on the planet and they had monumental failures. In the case of Empower, I like the fact that you're taking ownership of it and take responsibility, uh, but you've missed uh, a filing deadline for financials, which are important, but you know, relatively speaking, that's not outside of the norm of things that can possibly happen to good companies. So I just wanted to bring that up. And without further ado, let's jump into some of the questions because we got a lot. Sure. And by the way, everyone should know that uh, Steve is in Arizona for a reason related to all this. And then he's gonna be hopping on a plane, getting back out. So we're gonna get through as many of the questions as we can. And we have to, we'll save the rest of the questions to be answered online. First question comes from Grit. Uh, and look, I had the guys put this first because I wanna make sure the shareholders understand that you're not afraid of the tough questions first. Uh, so Grit says, Steve was repeatedly asked about the timing of financials and on several occasions referred to end of April. I would have expected him to have some sense that the financials were likely to be delayed given the reasons he provided for missing the deadline. Why did he not foreshadow at least the potential for delay and avoid or at least soften the inevitable negative impact on both share price and the trust of investors? I think the market would have been much more understanding uh, instead of an after hours uh Friday, an after hours news release on the Friday deadline? Yeah, uh, you know, thank you for the question. Yeah, again, it's, uh, it is a very challenging uh, situation to navigate through. Um, the, the concept of, you know, not being ready and, and then all of a sudden, you know, like leaking information about it or, or saying um, when we don't fully know, um, you got to keep in mind that we, we attempt to um, get to the filing deadline, you know, on time. But as uh, in our particular case, particularly in the last two weeks, there were, you know, quite a few numerous uh, additional um, items that were put on us um, from um, our audit group. And, you know, again, we, we tried as hard as we possibly could. Uh, we certainly did make sure um, to take advantage of some technical uh status, which is the management cease trade order, uh, in an effort to protect shareholders' interest uh, in the event that we would miss the filing deadline. Um, that in itself uh, actually is quite a significant amount of work to get through and prepare. Uh, it takes legal support. We have to work with the securities commissions um, on that application. Um, I am grateful that we did get approved for our MCTO. Uh, and that means the, the stock does not get halted. Um, so I'm halted. Um, our CFO is halted, um, meaning we can't, you know, trade in the stock. You know, I'm, I'm not a trader in the stock anyhow, um, so it's it's kind of somewhat irrelevant. But that's the technical. But just in case something goes wrong, there's no way for the captain to jump off the ship and abandon everybody by selling stock. You've all got management. All of you have got management cease trade orders now. So absolutely, everyone's absolutely. in the same boat with investors, so, you know, which is a great sign. Yeah, yeah, we are we are halted. You know, we play by the rules on this stuff. And uh, these rules from the Securities Commissions are in place to protect shareholders' interests. And so um, we just made sure that we understood, you know, uh, what it takes to get that technical, you know, MCTO in place. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, we had to take advantage of it uh, because, you know, we weren't going to make that filing deadline. Um, and, you know, some of this stuff is really, you know, making last minute decisions. Um, and, you know, we, we, you know, have to live with those decisions. We don't always get them right, perhaps. I think, again, we do a pretty good job on a lot of the decisions and the communications that we make. Um, and, you know, in this case, um, it appears to, you know, have created a bit of unfortunate sentiment um, because there was, you know, so much anticipation 
um, of getting those uh, those numbers out on time. Do you have any sense for, and I'm not, I'm not going to ask for a specific timeline, but are you able to provide shareholders any sense for any sense of when uh, the annuals might be filed, give or take? Yeah, so we're we're working very, uh, we're targeted on, you know, as you see from the MCTO um, notice um, that uh, May 21st or sooner is, you know, what everybody has in their sites and they're working toward. And then keep in mind, uh, simultaneously, um, we're uh, running the first quarter financials, but they're not audited. We control the first quarter financials. So we literally are doing, you know, both paths at the same time. So what we would expect is going to happen is it's really, it's going to be rapid fire, you know, year end fourth quarter immediately, you know, very quickly followed by um, first quarter results. And then we're back on our normal rhythm from there. Any, and I'll just ask you if any concerns that you, uh, any major concerns that you're not going to be able to make, you know, that May 21st, kind of deadline right now i'm you know nobody's flagging anything to me um so you know we have to provide an update uh uh every two weeks uh so we'll have an update coming at some point next week i, I can't uh, recall the exact date that will be but i believe it's in the calendar week of next week so there'll be you know a press release to update the market that's one of the requirements um, of the mcto okay tom zum and thanks grit thanks for thanks for asking the tough questions tom zum asks so you've already answered that when will we see q1 you're in control of those so and then the sub question is uh, any chance q1 will be delayed as well um it's only delayed to the extent that fourth quarter is uh, uh, year end is delayed i can't i can't issue first quarter before year end so you know so that that will you know you know sort of that will be the sort of the guide on that one but um we have until May 30th uh, is the filing deadline of the first quarter. Um, and so we've, again, you know, we, we control how uh, that path, we, we don't require the auditors um, to uh, sign off on those. Yeah, trust me, for everybody at home, uh, I sw- I've spoken to enough CEOs the last 24 years who pull their hair out sometimes during, during audits of even the most basic companies uh, because auditors are under really strict rules and sometimes can ask you really tough minutious that kind of stuff so i can only imagine for you guys but that's good to know uh and tom zum ends off with uh house clinic construction at the three locations any delays because of the ontario lockdown um it's it's really our our current status is is more about um uh you know the, the all the documentation um we've got our construction team so i mean the the lockdown certainly generally slow down lead times right now um, for, for really everything. And, and we also know, I mean, really throughout North America, um, there are, you know, shortages of supplies, uh, construction materials of all sorts. So, you know, it's a bit tough for us. There, again, are some things that are out of our control, um, in terms of, of those lead times. Uh, but as, you know, as we get a a bit further into the quarter, then I think we'll be in a position to, uh, kind of, you know, update everybody on with a little bit more accuracy of when we think certain of the locations, you know, those first openings will take place. All right. Uh, Believer 35 asks, uh, a couple of companies have their saliva test in Rexall. Does Empower, uh, is, is Empower still working with Rexall to do the same? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing's changed on our, our path with uh, partners like 
uh, Rexall on the on the product side or um, other pharmacies uh, in in Canada, and also we've got conversations started with pharmacy partners um, in the U.S. as well. Um, uh, one of the requirements in Canada is to have our bilingual packaging um, available. And so we've uh, fully designed our bilingual packaging. In fact, a couple of our, our good partners, including our pharmacy partner, um, helped us validate uh, the translations for accuracy. So, you know, it's really, a, you know, really true partnerships working, you know, together to, you know, bring this good product to the to market for Canadians. So the, the new bilingual boxes are at the printer as we speak. And, uh, you know, we hope to have those ready, you know, relatively soon. And then they will be delivered over to all the various partners that we're working with. Um, so right now, um, uh, you know, we were notified of the uh, one uh, saliva test kit product that was going live. Uh, so we're fully aware and, you know, in communication with, with the partners on that. Um, and, you know, we're hopeful that, you know, they'll be ready to take on our product as well and put it on the shelf and make it as another, you know, great choice for consumers. Uh, can Steve talk about the delays with the lab expansion? Um, not really any delays with the lab expansion. Um, we are in. Um, construction has started. Uh, we have issued purchase orders. We've got our architects. We've got our designers. We're buying furniture. Um, so I, I don't really feel like we have a delay uh, in, in that work. Again, uh, like we just talked about with clinics, um, you know, lead times on construction materials um, is delayed throughout North America. Um, so, you know, we are certainly- Yeah, we're hearing that about lumber all over the place. Lumber, lumber, you know- Number one is lumber. Aluminum, you know, materials. Uh, so, you know, we, we certainly have a, a little bit of that to factor in, but, you know, we're, we're literally in the facility. Um, we have possession of it. The work is underway. And, and uh, again, I can give some updates, you know, probably in another, another couple of weeks on, on what that progress and, and sort of turnaround time looks like, um, or grand opening, I'll, I'll call it. But, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely, there's, there's no real delays here. We're, we're in there already. All right. Um, and then generally speaking, can Steve give us an update on clinic rollouts? You know, and now it says clinic rollout, leases, opening dates, acquisitions, number of clinics. That's, uh, I don't expect you to go into specifics of all of those, but in general, how is that clinic national expansion or, you know, or the, the whole clinic expansion strategy moving along as, as of today? Um, you, you know, good. And we, we really, it's kind of being approached on three fronts, right? So we have, um, you know, our pharmacy partner groups where, you know, starting in the province of Ontario, we've, we, we know, you know, which ones are coming right now. Um, we are waiting on the receipt of those lease agreements um, from the partner. So there'll be some uh, uh, pending announcements on that. And I don't like to um, pre-announce, you know, addresses until, you know, we have the leases. We, you know, people Google the locations, people do drive-bys and, you know, we have yeah. to we have to be disciplined here. We're also um, opening some direct clinics on our own, and we're also opening um, some uh, new locations with independent uh, pharmacy partners as well, uh, where appropriate. And then finally, it's um, really working on the acquisition pipeline. Um, so we have, you know, the deepest, you know, count of, you know, potential, you know, clinics in acquisition um, than, than we've ever had. And they, they move along at various stages. You know, some deals, because they're larger, take quite a bit more time to, uh, say, negotiate and work through. 
and others are, you know, a little bit smaller, um, uh, easier to get through, but, um, you know, everybody should be assured that we have a very deep pipeline um, of clinics coming in those different types of approaches. So you're pretty, pretty happy with the progress of not, not just the clinic rollout today, but all, all the things that are setting up future clinics. And, and yeah. I remember you talked about one time, we'll see a point when clinics open and address, new addresses are announced, those open and new addresses announced. So there'll almost be a constant seeding and harvesting, seeding and harvesting. You on that cycle? You're, you're confident that you guys are going to oh yeah, we're, that cycle? We are completely on that cycle. We will, we will remain on this cycle um, for, um, the foreseeable future, you know, looking years out. Right. So, um, that cycle is happening, you know, again, as we sort of you know, touched on at the beginning, I, I would sure, um, you know, love for, uh, signatures and, um, uh, you know, legal reviews and landlords and what have you to, you know, move at the rate of speed that, that we want to move. But again, we don't always control that. Um, but I am, you know, to answer the question directly, I, I am pleased with the sort of scale and magnitude of what we have in front of us here as we're in the second quarter. And I think it bodes well for, you know, the balance of this year and into 2022. And those are the good problems to have, right? The bad problems are we can't find locations. We can't find partners. Nobody wants yeah. to work with us and we're still yeah. pounding the pavement. Whereas it sounds like you have that part you're not concerned with. Now it's just a case of papering everything and just moving the paper along to move the clinics along. Uh, it ab it absolutely is. So, uh, you know, again, we, we, we are pleased with, you know, what we've been able to develop in terms of our pipeline. Um, it's really matching our strategy uh, that we've, you know, laid out, you know, with Dr. Jordan and Dr. Avi particularly. And they've done a great job in building that pipeline. And again, I, I just take this position that, you know, and, until um, we have, you know, everything kind of buttoned up, you know, we're just not announcing addresses uh, but again, everybody should be, you know, calm and confident about the depth of our pipeline on, on clinics for the year. Uh, and in that vein, I've got a few people here I can see. So, you know, Rex, how's this? So I'm going to kind of ask a catch all here. How's the state, how's the na the state of the Rexall partnership, both in the most importantly on the clinic side and even on the product side, how, how's your relationship? Last time we'd spoken, you talked about you're in regular communication with, uh, I can't remember if you said the president, the chairman of Rexall Canada, but you're with, with, the, with management, tete-a-tete, like they say, how is that relationship progressing? Uh, you know, the, the relationship's the best it's ever been. Um, they, right. They're a wonderful organization to work with. Um, I do have regular one-on-one -on -one, um, updates with uh, Nick Caprio, who's the president um, of Rexall in Canada. Um, Dr. Jordan and Dr. Aviv are really working now with two kind of components um, at Rexall. One, the facility side, the cl medical clinic uh, team um, over there. They have a, you know, they, they literally talk every day. They, these guys um, have built a very substantial relationship, uh, working relationship with their, their counterparts. We also are working with um, the chief uh, merchandising officer and his team um, who are responsible for all things products. So we're working on our uh, Kai saliva test kit um, and the potential of getting that um, you know, in a pilot program for distribution. We're talking to them about um, rapid test kits uh, for Canada. We're also talking to them about um, our future plans 
uh, as it relates to Kai Care and our desire, desire to bring to market a whole variety of direct-to-consumer based testing products. So we've got a very interesting long-term sort of you know product pipeline building um, with them as well. Uh, but again, these things take time. Um, they, they take time to develop for sure. They're, they're a very big organization. Um, they have their procedures and, you know, we, of course, you know, work within those procedures and, and processes. Um, but again, we're diligent and we're going to keep working at it. And that's the part that shareholders, some shareholders miss sometimes, which is uh, just because Empower and Georgecom have a relationship, uh, Georgecom has its processes, you have yours and they sometimes just need to gel together and one waits for the other. And there's no way to rush that. There's just no way to do it. You yeah, can't call right. up Georgecom and say, George, can you guys just move this thing through? It's like, hey, we have our internal product. We're a big company. And in order to make sure that all projects in the end are successful, we got to make sure that it first goes through level one and then our level two and then our form and their compliance and that. And that's just the way it is. But that doesn't detract, right, Steve, from the fact that what you have, what you plan to have built in the next 12, 18, 24 months is uh, the good news. It's already in place. It's just a case of getting through this and just playing ball and just, and, and, and you, we, 12 to 18 months from now, I don't think we'll care. Well, of course. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, when you work with, you know, I'll, I'll take a step back. We want to be at the table with the biggest brands and the biggest partners. Um, I have worked tirelessly to position ourselves to have the cachet to be at the table. And we're seeing that happen. Um, we are garnering greater and greater credibility with large, large brands because when they do their preliminary due diligence on us, they look at our professionalism, they look at our uh, market improvement, they look at our cash position, they, they look at our products. Don't think for a second that we don't get scrutinized like crazy on every single opportunity that comes our Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Right? We, we all think Steve McCauley is great and Empower is great, but new partners, new companies, right? Yeah, they don't, they don't know they're, us. They're just going to tear you apart from stage one. They like you, they want to do business with you, but now they're going to go through the, through the vetting process and make sure every single thing is where it's supposed to be. That's just the way it is. It is. And as, as we, you know, conquest more transactions and we have uh, a longer list of high quality, credible companies who have vetted us, signed with us and move forward with us, it helps that business development process going forward. Because if, you know, brand A is comfortable with them, well, we're likely to be comfortable as well. And, and it's kind of like a, a snowball effect. So we're starting to feel that happened to us. Um, and right. uh, I, think it's, I think it's quite exciting. Um, and, you know, again, I just have to ask everybody to, you know, uh, have patience, you know, as, as required, um, but also have confidence and know that we are um, gaining credibility in the marketplace uh, in the, you know, the key pillars of what we do, whether it's healthcare centers or whether it's uh, Kai tests and, and our, our whole testing platform that uh, you know, we're taking to market. And I want to add my two cents in there that I've had the fortune in the last 20 plus years of having some really great wins, some six and seven digit wins in the small cap space. Uh, 
not one of them didn't involve um, this kind of process. You know, great plan, uh, great capital behind it, great team, uh, but then biz dev is just has to go through its natural cycle and then investors will get agitated and you'll see weakness and things and then they come back. So every single one of those has come with that. What always made the difference for me is, and I've said online on a couple of Facebook groups and other places, as long as the business plan is intact, and by the way, I'm saying this generally speaking, not for Empower, so nobody thinks I'm giving financial advice, but in my past victories, thank God, some really great victories. In every one of those situations, yes, I hated the roller coaster. Don't be wrong. I'm not impervious to it. But as I matured more and more, I cared a lot less because the only question I'd ask myself is, is the business plan intact? Do they have the finance? Do they have the people? And do they have business plan? As long as that was intact, I stayed. There have been times when the business plan was no longer intact. I had to go. Mm -hmm. But at home, you have to decide, is the Empower business plan intact? And if it is, then if you would have got to your end goal in 12 months or 18 months, it doesn't really matter. At least that's my view and not for Empower because I don't want to give, but that's my view in the, for the small cap world. It's just the way it goes. All right. So I want to add that. I want to add that two cents in. Um, a question here about the MedEx pilot uh, for teledermatology yeah. uh, that you're going to, uh, that you're going to begin in two uh, mm -hmm. of your clinics. Has that been able to start or because lockdowns and I think the last thing people want to do is have any, I don't want to call it unnecessary, but look, we see a lot of, a lot of elective surgeries being canceled, let alone scans, but I'll let you just give us- Yeah, I, no, it, the, the answer is it has not commenced as of yet. So, no. you know, the, the moment that, you know, we are, you know, operational and we, we have this, we, we determine which sites we want to start with MedEx, um, we're going to go live. We, we are very bullish on uh, the potential of that technology. Uh, and we think it honestly should be in every one of our clinics, you know, across our entire network. So, um, so more, more updates to come on that, but the answer is it hasn't started yet. All right. Norwich, Nick Wilson, better as Nick. Hey, Steve, I'm sorry to hear we didn't get the DFW airport contract. Okay. I didn't hear one way or another on that. Um, however, lots more opportunities available. As you've said, how's our relationship with Luke with loop? I'm buying shares daily. <laughs> um, very good. Yeah, we we work very closely with Loop Insights on on uh, their developments. So uh, uh, Rob Anson, their CEO, and myself, uh, you know, we're we're kind of in very regular uh, dialogue, and so we we keep on sort of figuring out how we can bring each other into opportunities, um, us pulling them in or, or them pulling us in. So uh, it's one of these you know business development uh, you know conversations again we, we we're both groups are uh, are keeping on trying to you know uh you know conquest new transactions and and cross refer each other uh as as the as the client wishes or as as, as we can try to you know push the opportunity forward scott alexander who's a great supporter on facebook thanks for doing another one of these so soon steve and thank you for continuing to be as open and honest with shareholders as you are legally allowed to be really good distinction there um, I'm personally not dissuaded one bit by the delay in financials and those who do need to calm down. It's as if they've forgotten the content of the last 20 news releases to know how good Empower is doing under your leadership. My only question is, and a little loop related, have Empower and Loop uh, discussed using the newly acquired wallet pass as a secure and reliable option to instantly deliver test results? 
So um, actually, yes, as a great, great observation and great question. So we, um, in fact, um, uh, have successfully created an API um, with Loop Insights for their for the Wallet Pass. So the intention there was to um, get ourselves in a position on, at the technology layer where the results from our lab information system for a particular client uh, could actually be pushed um, into the wallet pass for that client um, to be able to create you know that instant feedback um, of the on the loop platform which is basically you know positive hey you can't move forward in the check-in or negative you're cleared green light you can move forward so we actually did successfully complete the, those apis mike banny's asking perfect because it's a perfect dovetail how do you address integrity issues related to the kai saliva test so when 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 a test goes in under george cholas how do how do you or any of the partners or anybody know that that's actually george's saliva in there how do you go about how do you do yeah it's it's uh it's a very good observation um you know there isn't uh, uh there aren't any guidelines um that are being pushed down you know related to that we are doing uh, we're having a lot of discussions right now about the concept of proctoring um and using telemedicine um for uh, that's what i was thinking yeah, for virtual proctoring, um, where we're actually in, in heavy discussions with a couple of uh, um, prospect customers um, on that very point. So I, I feel like going forward, there, there is going to be more, it'll be more topical. But at this stage, uh, there's no policies that are, are being pushed to us through, you know, authorities like the CDC or the FDA or Health Canada uh, on the topic. Uh, there may be more uh, coming. Um, but in anticipation of dealing with these types of topics with potential customers, um, we've got a, a proctoring, you know, dialogue going on on our own. Um, so I, mean, you know, I think just more to come on that topic. Easy Tiger asks, greetings from the Empower Army. Greetings right back to you. And looking at breaking into uh, the, establishing the Empower footprint in the U.S., what do you foresee as the biggest obstacle, i.e. acquiring, signing local medical professionals, competing against already established companies, et cetera? So what's your biggest hurdle to establishing you know, you know, uh, Empower in the U.S.? Well, we've got a, a pretty you know, solid footprint there right now. It's, it's actually you know, bigger and more entrenched uh, in the U.S. than it is in Canada. You know, we've just started in Canada in the first quarter of this year. So it's very new territory for us. Um, we certainly will continue to leverage what we're doing in the medical diagnostic space with uh, Kai, Kai Laboratory and, and the new direct-to-consumer Kai Care brand. Um, that, for us, I think is going to be a really promising growth engine and, and way beyond you know, COVID-19 testing and, and where that goes. We're talking about you know, a whole host or variety of direct-to-consumer uh, test protocols such as women's health or men's health um, that can be delivered through kitest.com or kitest.ca uh, in an e-commerce platform. We've uh, launched our uh, e-commerce uh, spend now already. We started uh, testing traffic uh, last week. I think it was one week ago today. So um, uh, with in, in conjunction with Snow Agency, who we brought on, we literally have four different campaigns that are being uh, pushed through Google right now. We will start to turn on YouTube um, ads very shortly. 
And uh, really, once we uh, get sort of, you know, honed in on, you know, successful conversion, you know, procedures, then we'll start adding more spend um, to start to increase traffic and views and clicks and, and purchases. So that piece is really important for us. Um, I will start to turn my attention back to um, health center locations in the US kind of as we start to get through the second quarter and into the second half of the year. Uh, uh, acquisition will definitely be kind of a priority focus for us uh, in, in the US with, with healthcare centers. So more to come on that. I, I don't have any more sort of guidance to give on that topic at the moment. Yeah, otherwise you'd be breaking some rules. Yeah, but, but we're not going to lose sight of that. There's, you know, the U.S. market is very important for us. It's a, that's a massive market. It's very fragmented. Uh, and there's lots of opportunity. Paul DeWolf's got a bunch of questions. You've answered some. He says, hi, it's Steve and George. Great to see you guys again. Thanks, Paul. Same, same to you. Uh, any of the new, are any of the new possible acquisitions you talk about include clinics that would start to, he says, accumulate revenue? I'm assuming they want to say, that that would start to uh uh would they be accretive revenue from from day one? Oh, of course uh, every every, so, of course. every every acquisition is going to be accretive revenue there's no doubt and and we'll leverage what we do with this combination of primary care with with our medical doctors in conjunction with uh, paramedical services um, with those practitioners and bring them together. But more important then is layering on unique healthcare technology, such as you know, the medics, um, you know, teledermatology services. Those become accretive you know, revenue generating um, you know, services as well. Not only is it very good for patients, uh, but it also, you know, it's good for our business model. So yeah, I mean, yes, in every case, you know, these acquisitions um, are accretive to our revenue. Um, and easy so, and, and, uh, Paul DeWolf, I think we answered some of the other questions there as opposed to clinic strategy and all that, uh, Kai medical renos and easy tiger. We got that second one about what else they're going to do with Kai tests, which is as the company, uh, improves, they'll keep expanding obviously the marketing of Kai tests. Um, Crusader has, uh, just a stock market question. I'm your shareholder. I bought, I bought some stock with the intention to buy more and more. Unfortunately, since that time, I've lost almost 71% of my investment. Um, though I still believe in your company's success, uh, what are you doing basically about this? And what's the reason for the fall since the end of February? So what the things that we can control um, are around execution and you know delivering uh, growth items and that's the biggest way that we can control you know kind of where the future is and 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 hopefully you know we start to get you know more of that response uh, we certainly had a lot of new followers show up it created a lot of excitement um, our, our market got very strong uh, i feel like we had some uh, negative catalysts that were out of our control um, that you know really sort of knocked the market back down. But going back to where we started the conversation today, our, our business model is sound and is solid. And, you know, unfortunately, as, as a small cap company is moving from small to medium and, and growing, you know, there, there are some ups and there's some downs and there's some ups and there's some downs in the stock market itself. Um, we have to have fortitude and continue working on delivering and executing on our plan. That's the biggest way that we can control where the future goes in our valuation 
And I think finally, one of the most important things that we do um, is what we're doing right now. And that is communicating often, uh, openly, transparently, um, using mediums like video, which is a, you know, a very comfortable uh, way for me to communicate. Uh, those are things that we can control in the way that we run our public company. So you have my commitment uh, that we will continue to use mediums like this um, to uh, you know, tell our story and to broaden our shareholder base to you know, keep liquidity. And you know, it, we, when we keep liquidity and we keep the story out there, then over time, you know, you, you, your trend line goes where you want it to go. And that is, in our case, uh, on the long term, you know, upward. Yeah, well, well said on that. Steve, I'm looking at my stopwatch and we're at about 45 minutes. And you told me you had 30 to 40 minutes before you had to get on your plane to get back, uh, back at, get back home. We've still got more questions. And I think we got through a lot of the most important stuff uh, already, which is great. We addressed the financials, Rexall, the clinics, expansion, all those things, uh, share price, all those things. Can we, uh, can we make a commitment to everyone that there will be a part two to this video? Uh, maybe we'll take part two on Monday. We'll go through yes. the rest of the questions for everybody. Yeah. Oh, I'd be, ha be happy to. Be happy yeah, to. Yeah, because people did a great job of, of posting all these great questions. And there's so, uh, this is the most we've ever had. And instead of trying to rush them through, I think it'd be great to honor all our shareholders by just doing a part two. And maybe we'll do that on uh, on Monday or so, give or take, guys, we're not making the commitment yet. We got to look at our schedules, but uh, give or take earlier than Monday or Tuesday, we'll have part two out. Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much yeah. for on a Friday. Yeah, I know you're flying and addressing everybody. Have a safe flight. Looking forward to part two and, uh, and have a great day. Great. Thank you, George. To everybody at home, shareholders, thanks for everything you've done. That was part one. Look for part two, but I hope you're happy with the answers you've gotten so far. And many, many thanks to the great contributions you're all making. See you on part two.